welcome to MASH Now, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, MASH. I'm Vanessa. And I am Ethan. Ethan, okay, so today's episode features a trial. So as our opening topic, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite trial movie? Or if have you seen any trial movies? I know that I've probably seen a couple more than you because law school, but you know. <laughs> well, I love like a really good trial movie and it's hard to do good ones. There are a lot of like ones that think they're good, but they're also kind of bad. I really like, and you love this one as well. You introduced me to this film. But My Cousin Vinny is perfect. It's one of the best films ever made. It's so funny. Has like the best plotted out script I've ever seen of like everything. Every detail of that movie comes back in some way. And it's really good. The best thing about that movie is that it's believable that Joe Pesci is dating like 25 year old. uh, (laughs) What's her name? Marissa Tomei. And you're like, yeah, I get it. They they totally work. (laughs) They work Um, together. On a more serious end, I also love The Social Network. Uh, I think that's kind of a trial movie that has, like, trial as, like, the backdrop of the plot. And that movie is, I think, just perfect in every way. It's about Facebook. And you're like, the fact that they pulled this off is incredible to me. Yeah, I didn't. So The Social Network, like you said, like, that's... That is so funny that you mentioned that because it didn't even come to my mind, but that's more of like a deposition. Right. They don't even go to trial. It's just hearing. Yeah. Which honestly, though, it's so well done between like the shots of like the deposition and, uh, you know, them talking about what happened and stuff like that. Very realistic because that is how a deposition is taken. Like you said, my cousin Vinny, of course. And I do have to say, so one of my first assignments in my torts class last year when I was in my first year of law school was to watch My Cousin Vinny. And Yo. my professor said that it's actually like a super accurate trial movie. And I thought that that was really, really cool. Everybody says that it's like the most accurate trial movie ever. And I'm like, is it? But apparently that they, they got it. Yeah, I think just like the the aspect of like going through all of the motions and they don't make it completely unrealistic. I think it's just I I love the movie, of course. One movie that I actually can't stand and I don't know if this is like just it has something to do with it being a bad trial movie, but A Few Good Men, I really don't like. And I I don't know how accurate it is because military courts are completely different than civilian courts. But yeah, I just like, I don't think it held up that well. Um, There's some great scenes in it, of course, but uh, just Demi Moore's character. What did you do there, man? (laughs) I've never seen it. I want to. Like every budding film nerd, there was a point in my life where I was obsessed with Aaron Sorkin as a writer and then I watched more Aaron Sorkin stuff, and he he also did The Social Network, and he wrote A Few Good Men as well. And there was a point in my life where I just watched a lot of his stuff, and now I'm kind of like burnt out on him. Mm-hmm. He kind of has one speed, and it's a good speed, but everything sounds so similar to each other that I'm like, I, I have to step away from this. So maybe one day I'll I'll watch A Few Good Men and agree with you, because it's kind of like the template of his like later career. But maybe I'll love it. It's got Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's always a good time. So we'll see. I hate Tom Cruise, though. So (laughs) who knows? And 
A Few Good Men, Rob Reiner directed it, and Rob right. Reiner is the husband in All in the Family, and I didn't know that going in and watching the movie. I was like, are you kidding me? Meathead is the director of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, honestly, that gave, even though I didn't really like the movie, it gave it more points for me because it was well-directed. Sorry, I know this is, like, kind of a tangent. Even so... <laughs> I want to go on a whole Rob Reiner thing because he's one of the greatest directors like to ever work. Liter- no yeah. kidding. My dude, he made Spinal Tap and Princess Bride and A Few Good Men like in the course of like eight years. And When Harry Met Sally. Like this dude is a legend. <laughs> and he's also known for being a sitcom actor. It's so weird. Bringing it back to the sitcom though. <laughs> yeah. I think that we should probably get into today's episode. <laughs> In this episode, The Trial of Henry Blake, which is why we're talking about trials in the first place, Margaret and Frank file charges against Henry in yet another attempt to get him removed as the camp's CO. Like, when are they going to quit? And the charges seem really light and funny at first, but they end up taking a much more serious tone than originally expected. So, Ethan, off the top, what did you think about this episode? This episode was kind of odd. Because it, it goes from, like, the first act of this is structured like a sketch show, mm-hmm. where it's like, here's the funny thing that happened, and it's like, you know, three or four minutes of, like, a scene that's like a self-contained comedy bit, and then it's another scene and another scene, and then in the second half, it's like, oh, by the way, Henry's legitimately getting arrested, and things are bad, and we have to, like, solve it. So it has such a weird structure that I didn't know how to feel about it, like, as a whole. But I enjoyed it, like, on its own. Like, each segment was good. And then the latter half of, like, Hawkeye and Trapper, like, going to save uh, Henry's career, like, save him from this trial, like, was good. But as a joint piece of, like, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, I don't know how well it, like, actually worked as a cohesive episode of television how about you yeah it was very disjointed again i enjoyed it and i think that they did kind of tie it in at the end of course but it was kind of weird to be like oh the trial of henry blake and it wasn't a trial it was it was this hearing before going to a trial to decide if there was going to be a trial i should say and so you get the that Henry is being brought up on these charges filed by Frank and Margaret and it at first like I said it seems like really light and stupid like oh Henry's just not being a good CO of the camp and letting everybody run amok and whatnot and then it just takes this turn of oh yeah Henry was uh providing comfort for the enemy and falsifying documents and it's just like what the heck and yeah I <laughs> I liked I did like though how it was kind of blindsided the audience and it seemed to blindside like Henry Hawkeye Trapper all of that kind of stuff too Mm -hmm. they they really buried the lead because it like starts with you have gurney races and there's a guy trying (laughs) to escape camp through a parachute and radar selling like pyramid scheme shoes and then it's oh by the way you've been harboring and aiding and abetting like North Korean soldiers you're like excuse me go more into that please and then it's like no, we're just gonna we're just gonna move on from that. They don't reveal that it's actually because, of course, it's like a more noble cause than you know yeah, harboring always. the enemy and stuff like that, right? But um, 
they don't reveal that until like the last five minutes of the second <laughs> half of so the episode. <laughs> it's just like why? Um, so you're kind of left wondering, and like I said, it was disjointed, but I enjoyed it. So yes. you know, I agree. Uh, do you want to get into a little bit of discussion of these first three offenses and the kind <laughs> of comedy bits that uh. You know, these vignettes that kind of made up the first half of the episode. Yeah, definitely. So it starts out with, I think you said it, these gurney races. And that's like so ridiculous that they even brought up these charges on. But I couldn't help but think that this scene must have been actually really, really fun to shoot oh, like yeah, for the I'm actors. Sure. So do you want to describe the scene a little bit? Because I thought it was really funny. Yeah, so they clarify that it's during, uh, like, Kentucky Derby season, and to celebrate that, they have a bunch of people, like Hawkeye Trapper and a few other people, uh, have these nurses on these gurney carts, which, you know, they typically move patients with, but I guess it was a, a light day, and they're acting like they're the horses, and they're running through the camp, and Henry's commentating uh acting like they're they're again horses uh and it was just really funny and like such a light little moment if i was in this camp i would like treasure this day as like the highlight of my like year there because it's so fun like this had such a fun energy i wanted the entire episode just to be this scene honestly if they made a whole episode of them racing each other that would have been <laughs> hilarious it was. It was really funny and lighthearted and cute. And I loved that Henry... So Henry was the announcer and that was brought up against him like in the next scene where the general is like, so you not only condoned these ridiculous races, but you participated in them. And Henry was the announcer and he was just really laying it on so thick with these like as if he was announcing the Kentucky Derby and it was really, really funny. I love the, the horse names they gave to the girls. Like one is Hawkeye's Pride, the other is Bouncing Betty. And, you know, <laughs> he's talking fast and like acting like one of those like mile a minute speaker guys mm -hmm. <laughs> at horse tracks. And it was it was just really cute and a, a really funny way to, to start this episode that would go on to be like weirdly dark in the second half. Yeah, like I, like we keep saying, it's you would not expect it to get as dark as it does get in the second half from this initial charge because you you start to believe um this general who is questioning henry on this is very much like a frank burns type of like this isn't supposed to be fun this is war uh stuff like that even though henry is just letting his people kind of blow off steam and have fun like we've seen in previous episodes which frank hates and is not regular army type and all of that kind of stuff but yeah then it takes a turn so I would say that this next scene was one of my favorites. Uh, no, I, I can't even say that. Like all of these scenes were my favorite. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the next one was the next charge was Radar selling shoes, like Henry allowing Radar to sell shoes. And this was actually so funny because honestly, the shoes, I liked them. I would buy them. <laughs> no, it's so funny that that was a charge too. Because he essentially gets into the kind of pseudo-pyramid scheme of, like, buying things and then reselling them uh, from, like, you know, the Avon makeup companies. But he's selling shoes. And I, I love the detail that he's like, oh, I saw this on the back of a matchbox. And it's like, oh, you just put in your name and address and they'll send you all these shoes and you can make money doing it. It's great. And... 
real world implications is that this shoe company who's like selling these for cheap and then reselling them is like we'll ship them to south korea why not like i love the international shipping of like this cheapo shoe brand (laughs) yeah i know i thought it was i feel like radar selling these shoes was kind of the norm though for the 1950s like multi-level marketing schemes didn't become problematic necessarily until like the 21st century so i don't know i thought that maybe he was just thinking about his life post-war and what he was going to do after the war (laughs) perhaps perhaps i just think it's funny that he was able to get them shipped to korea you think they would be like domestic exclusives (laughs) that's very true you're right okay so of course you know me with my inflation calculator, right? So of course. The, so the um, the general had said, but you're a corporal in the United States Army. And Radar goes, that's not my fault, sir. So I got me thinking, like, how much could Radar actually be making? So I did a little bit of research. And the most Radar probably made was ninety eight eighty per month. And that equates to about $1,089 per month, which is nothing. That's like poverty wages, essentially. Um, and so it would make sense that Radar would want to make some extra money, even even in the 1950s. Yeah, no, I really like this bit with the Radar. I thought it was very funny. And like you said, these shoes did look pretty good. It was really funny him following the script to try to sell these, that he was like, Hello, my name is Radar O'Reilly. I am here to sell you shoes. As if they don't know him. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was really funny. And like you it, you could tell he was trying to follow this script and how it wasn't really working necessarily. It was very like canned and stupid. Why would it work? But- he was literally stopping them and being like, Hello, this is the script I'm reading. Would you like to buy shoes? (laughs) Why would that ever sell you on anything? But I thought it was really funny, though, that after he started kind of putting his radar-isms in it, like, you don't want to not have these shoes, he sold Hawkeye the shoes, even though Hawkeye was like, I don't really need them. I have a pair already. Don't worry. He's like, but you don't have this pair. And it worked. (laughs) Yeah, he gave him the the good old puppy dog eyes and, you know, when, when Radar is like, I'm going to be real cute for a sec, you know Hawkeye is not going to be able to deal with that. And like I said, I mean, come on, they were pretty cool shoes. I would buy those shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Black and white wingtip shoes. That's, uh, you know, that's stylish. I also did my inflation calculator because, of course, I did. He said that they would be 825 or something like that. They would be $98 now. Isn't that crazy? What? Yeah, he was That's like, oh, crazy. for only eight twenty five. It's just like for only a hundred dollars you could have these shoes. It's like what? <laughs> and then uh when they go back to the trial or hearing, Radar and Henry have this entire argument about him not <laughs> buying these shoes. Henry is like having this like heated debate about him having high art support needs and Radar is just like, Well, if you paid the extra dollar fifty, you could have had him. It's just like <laughs> It's such a... Read the room, guys. This is not the time to to have your heated shoe debate. Yeah, and it's really funny because throughout the episode, the general has to keep, like, drawing back their attention to, hey, you're on trial for... Or you're going... You could potentially be on trial for life-threatening things, and <laughs> you're here arguing about shoes. And that goes into the next little segment of... Um, the charge against Henry 
allowing Klinger to kind of just exist how he is in the camp. (laughs) And this produced one of my favorite lines in this episode where the general was reading out the charge and he said, you have a non-com who's a transvestite. And Henry goes, I don't pry into a man's religion, sir. (laughs) I loved that. This entire bit. I mean, Klinger's always good. I think anybody who listens to the show knows that like we both really like Klinger. But this bit was like peak Klinger to me. Yeah. This man it was really good. He he gets like a parachute or right? No, not a parachute. It's One like those, a parasailing, uh, like a pa- like a hang glider. Yeah, he like has he gets he a, makes hang glider a hang glider and tries to hang glide out of camp and <laughs> Obviously, this was not intentionally part of the joke, but how bad the green screen looked of him flying through the air was so perfect. It was perfect (laughs) visual comedy to to me. This man, it was great. It was so great. He was like a superhero. And they're like, what is is that? A Superman? And they're like, no, it's like a bird with fuzzy slippers or whatever. And like four people say it in the span of two minutes. It was so funny. So for a little bit of context, yeah. So Klinger is in a house robe and uh, pink fuzzy slippers. And Hawkeye and Trappers both say he looks like a... I think I just saw a red bird with uh, fuzzy feet or something. Pink fuzzy feet, something like that. And (laughs) to me, the only thing that came to mind right before Klinger took off from the mountainside <laughs> when he had the the hang glider and he put like a hat on or a, like a like almost like a military issued hat and these wind resistant goggles was he looked like Wiley e. Coyote from the Looney Tunes trying to get the Roadrunner. <laughs> this was big Wiley e. Coyote energy for yes, sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is the kind of gag that would appear in like a newspaper comic. Like, I haven't read, uh, like, the Beetle Buckley, the, the one that takes place in a military camp, but I imagine this kind of gag has been done before there. Just very broad, very silly, and very effective. I think this whole bit is so funny. The, the shot right before Klinger starts to fly, I thought was, like, glorious. Just this, like, back view. It was really great. I love this entire segment. It was so funny to me. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was really good. And that, of course, leads us into the more serious charges. So Henry and Radar are sitting there kind of like laughing about Klinger and his attempted escape from the war. And then it's revealed that, oh, this more serious charge, like the last serious charge of... um, Hitting and abetting like North Korean... Yeah, it was something along the lines of like falsifying documents in order to provide aid and comfort for the enemy or something like that. And like I said, they're sitting there laughing about Klinger and this general is like, yeah, Henry, by the way, this charge and also you're under arrest pending, you know, investigation or pending this hearing. And it's like, whoops. (laughs) Dude legit could have been charged with treason and they led (laughs) with the... So your your guy started selling shoes in the camp? Why, what was that about? Why not start with the most serious crime of all? 
Yeah, again, the tonal shift in this episode was super, was super crazy. Was pretty jarring. They kept it light, too, of course, because Radar goes back to camp without Henry because Henry is placed under arrest for, like, investigation of treason. And so Hawkeye and Trapper see that Henry's not with Radar and they question him. And, of course, they're like, well, this can't stand. And they go to Frank and Margaret and they say, listen, we're, we're going to go to Henry's defense. We're going to go where he's being held and kind of like testify on behalf of him. And so instead of allowing them to do that, Frank has an MP guard them and places them under arrest too, just so that they can't go help Henry. And I hated this so much because I was like, how power hungry are you guys that you're doing this? Like, it's terrible. This was the most evil Frank and Margaret I think have ever been. There have been moments where he's like more of a jerk and more like like a small man trying to have big power. But this is straight up them just being evil. If Henry's found guilty, he'll be charged with treason. And they like know on the inside of their heart that like this wasn't a treasonous activity in reality. Yeah. But they're trying to like make it look like... It's not a simple like power grab. It's them like ruining a man's life and maybe getting him dead. Uh, Henry's <laughs> like, oh, you'll see me in front of a firing squad. So I don't know how like serious these stakes were, but... At the very least, they were planning to ruin Henry's life forever. Yeah, let's not forget also this was like supposed to be at the height of the McCarthy era and like the Rosenbergs and stuff like that, where they literally were put to death. They were executed for treason against the United States. So it's not something that was light, even though the episode played it as very light. It, the stakes were not really there so much for the audience in the episode. But like thinking about it, it is like they were kind of at their most evil and nefarious and whatnot even though frank has said worse things in the past like been like a terrible person in the past if you think about it this is like really really bad literally just to install yeah. frank as the co of the camp like that's crazy very small power with big consequences for like the real people involved so bizarre yeah absolutely the way Frank goes mad with power in this one, I, I thought was, like, pretty funny. The fact that he's having some guy, like, paint rocks white, and then Margaret's like, you can't do that. It's against, like, flight regulations. The enemy might see, like, the white rocks. And he's like, oh, well, if he only paints the top half, we can flip over at night. I'm like, that's such a bizarre exercise of power. <laughs> That's so funny, too, that you bring that up, because the guy painting the rocks is Jeff Maxwell, who is the co-host of uh, MASH Matters. <laughs> and I, every time what? I see him, yeah, every time I see him in these episodes, I'm like, there he is! <laughs> oh, man, shout out to MASH Matters, the uh, the definitive MASH podcast, as True. far as I'm concerned. True, yeah. So that's super, <laughs> super cool. But yeah, honestly, that also was like, I was like, put Margaret in charge. The only reason that Frank would be in charge is because he is a man at this point. And it's just like, they're yeah. the same rank. Like, Margaret clearly knows what she's doing. Even though I completely get, like, I hold her just as accountable as Frank of, like, trying to get Henry executed. Um, Put her in charge. But anyway. Yeah. So... This was this was kind of wild. When this you're talking about it, you're like, oh yeah, this is bad. But when you're watching the episode, it's just like, oh, well, this is just another funny Frank scheme. Yeah. No, this is like 
turbo bad. They're going to ruin Henry's life at the very least. Yeah, it's just like the more you uncover, the more it's like, wow, this was not as lighthearted as I thought, which is kind of the crux of MASH, right? Um, Yeah. So, of course, Hawkeye and Trapper find a way to, like, sneak past the MP. They actually end up having Klinger drug him, and then they go to where Henry's being held for this trial or this hearing, basically. And you find out the charge is falsifying records for vital medical supplies to give to the North Koreans is what they're claiming, or is what Frank and Margaret claimed. It's penicillin and stuff that, you know, helps for, like, infections and whatnot. So you come to find out why Henry falsified these records in order to aid the North Koreans, whatever. Um, And it was because... This nurse, who is a civilian nurse, has like a like a clinic basically across the thirty eighth parallel in North Korean territory, and is helping these women who, you know, are pregnant, and they have like no recourse if it wasn't for her. And so Henry was helping her get penicillin and make sure that these women can deliver their babies safely and whatnot. And Henry originally wasn't even going to say anything in his defense like explain why he was doing it i guess for fear that she would face repercussions and then hawkeye and trapper burst in and you know with this nurse and this pregnant woman and she explains it and henry is so absolutely not apologizing for what he did he's like yeah basically i did this and i'm not upset about it this is set up kind of strangely because i do mention this nurse throughout the episode like of henry's defense like we're gonna show them this woman and it'll like clear everything up uh that's like hawkeye and trapper's main goal but we don't see her until this last five minutes Mm -hmm. it was set up as the the resolution you know but because she comes in so late it does feel like kind of an odd choice to just have it kind of come out of nowhere even though it was set up pre at least for me watching the episode it was like oh this woman is now here but I really like how Henry's like whole speech he gives after this woman shows up and he, he kind of explains himself and says like, I, I did nothing wrong, even though like on paper, in theory, I shouldn't have done this. Like my, my motives are pure and I just wanted to help uh, these like women give birth like healthily. And it was like, okay, that's pretty cool. I liked, this is probably my favorite line of the episode during his rant of like why he did this. He's like, yeah, so if I gave them penicillin or whatever, it's fine. Like, he literally says, if I gave them penicillin or whatever, it's mm-hmm. it's fine. And I thought it was so funny that during a big, like, climactic speech of proving your own innocence, he just like, or whatever. Such, I know. That's such the way that I talk. <laughs> yeah, it was funny that Henry was, it, it, he was not, I don't want to say flippant about it, but he was so... He didn't care that potentially his life could be ruined. He wasn't even going to raise a defense for this. He was just like, yes, I I absolutely did that. But it wasn't treason because I was doing the right thing. And if that's treason to you, oh, well, I guess I'll just take my punishment. And I really also liked how uh, this nurse, her name's Nurse Craddy. She said that she was helping these women because regardless of if they were considered North Koreans or not, she didn't care about anyone's politics. These were people in need of medical attention. And clearly Henry subscribes to that. We know that Hawkeye and Trapper also subscribe to that idea as all medical professionals should, of course, but 
you know, Hippocratic I, oath, do yeah. no harm. And it was it was just a really intense scene after all of mm-hmm. like the comedy and the funny stuff. Um, I thought it was very well done. Yeah, like I know I had my complaints about the structure of it, but I think where it like landed was very good. I liked McQueen Stevenson's acting a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's just he's very good. And he also wrote this episode. I know you might be saving that for trivia, but I think it's really cool that he he wrote this one uh, on his own, which is super cool. I like that a lot. I love how involved this whole cast is right from the get-go. So after Henry gives this big speech, this, this general who's kind of in charge of this thing is understanding, which, you know... You need that for the TV show. Just kind of mm-hmm. quickly wrap it up. Probably would not happen in real life this way, but <laughs> we're we're running out of time in the TV show. So he's like, all right, charges will be dropped if Frank, who shows up, also drops his, his claim to this treasonous claim. And at first, Frank will not, which, again, pretty evil, my dude. Not, like, great. He just wants to hold on to his power. But then Hawkeye and Trapper blackmail him with the knowledge that he's having an affair outside of his marriage and they're gonna send that to his wife and that's the thing that like gets him to stop which i thought was a pretty clever use of the ongoing frank and margaret affair like actually playing into the plot yeah i thought it was really funny because hawkeye and trapper uh take a piece of paper and write down real fast this like supposed letter that they're going to send to frank's wife that Oh, he's he's this big hero, but also you should know that out of uniform, he is, you know, having an affair with Major Houlihan. And that gets him to, like, stop immediately, gets Margaret to stop immediately. And honestly, I thought that they should be using that against them more often to keep them in line. Like, seriously. (laughs) Every time. Their relationship in this one was kind of weird, man. And to me, that just also goes to show like their hypocrisy as well of just like, oh, yeah, no one else can be doing anything wrong, but also Frank is having an affair, you know? And to, so I, I found out recently that in the military, you can be brought up on charges of adultery, like both parties. Oh, I'm sure. Especially in the 50s. Are you kidding? You can be dishonorably discharged for it, uh, even now, as far as I'm uh, as far as I'm aware. And so they should really watch themselves like, you know do unto others and that kind of stuff you know frank always talks about his like you know catholic upbringing or christian I love upbringing my wife and stuff. so much yeah <laughs> like last episode he had this whole speech about how his wife is you know a defining part of his life and his union is so strong and then margaret's just right there crying they have such a bizarre relationship sometimes yeah. <laughs> i can't i can't wait until we get to the episodes where you don't have to see that anymore. So, so of course, that gets them to drop the charges and everything's fine. And they take this general back to the camp. And I thought it was really funny how, of course, with MASH, every charge against Henry was proved like to be true and correct because Klinger's there in a dress. And the entire camp is in the shoes that Radar was trying to sell in the beginning of the episode. It was just a really, really funny visual gag of just having every single pair of feet lined up with those same shoes on it was so funny it was a great way to tie it all in uh we talked about how weird the structure of this one is but having that moment at the end really did solidify it for me as like okay something that is 
more cohesive. I love that visual too. That's so funny. And then the last shot is Radar like looking embarrassed. Because <laughs> yeah. he's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done this on military time or whatever. It's it's really good. Yeah. Uh, all in all, I think that this episode was kind of weird, but also I did I did enjoy it. Hats off to Mr. McQueen. Good good job writing again. Love to see it. Trivia. Do, so, uh, do you have any do you have any <laughs> trivia for us? I do. I have a little bit of trivia um about some of the guest stars. So, the general General Mitchell was played by this actor Robert F. Simon, and this guy had a crazy prolific career um he did everything from like broadway acting and plays like death of a salesman to basically every western you could ever think of he had some kind of guest star or part in i can see Um, that he looked like a western guy right and so he also did movies dramas on tv and um comedies like tv comedies of course i would say he's definitely probably one of those guest stars where you see on your favorite show and you're like, oh, I know that guy, but like the 50s mm-hmm. version of that. Um, yeah. So I, I I always love to see that. And then there was Hope Summers, who played Nurse Craddy. She played a recurring character on the Andy Griffiths show. That's where I know her from. She mm-hmm. was Aunt B's friend. And it's funny because Robert F. Simon also had a guest spot on the Andy Griffiths show, too. So I was like, oh, wow, the Andy Griffiths cast is just here. A reunion. And also one other interesting thing about her, her father, John W. Summers, was a U.S. representative from Washington State, which I thought was very interesting. And like you said, Ethan, um, McLean Stevenson did write this episode, and he actually received an Emmy nomination for the writing of this episode. And I'm pretty sure that this episode also won a film editing award, and if it didn't win, it was definitely nominated for one. So I thought that that was pretty cool as well. I can see that. This definitely has a more experimental approach than a lot of tv shows would have at that time so having this kind of vignette sketch comedy and then this more serious storyline uh especially in the 70s when everything was a little more rigid i i could definitely see this being like a standout episode of the time i was wondering if it was for editing um of that really great green screen of clinger just jumping yes, off the mountain. of course <laughs> I mean, visual effects are art. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you had said prior to this that Nurse Craddy had one of your favorite lines in this episode. So do you want to get into um, our favorite lines? Yes. When Hawkeye is talking to Nurse Craddy, uh, he just kind of offhandedly says like, oh, you're very beautiful. And she just responds flatly like, I was once. And just the way she delivered that. I thought was like really cool. Like she came out really cool with that one line and it was all in the delivery. Like in in a different hand that could have been like kind of mean, but Mm -hmm. her being like, yeah, I was once is like, yeah, I'm cool. I know. I know what I'm about. I really liked it. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that too. I think uh, what my favorite lines, there was a scene where Klinger came into the swamp and he was of course dressed as a woman or dressed in women's clothes. And... (laughs) Hawkeye goes, you know, a lot of guys can't wear stuff like that. It was just like, it was just so quick. I absolutely loved Mm -hmm. that line. I think I'm going to cut this out because it's like just kind of weird to say. But there was another line in this one where Hawkeye comes into the tent with uh, Frank and Margaret. And Margaret's like 
massaging him with like a oh massage device. Oh my god, device. yes. I can't believe I didn't mention this before. Oh my god. Oh, do okay. you want to mention it? I know okay. exactly what you're going to say. So Hawkeye says, wait, I, I actually have it written down because I was still like, oh my god. So like you said, Hawkeye and Trapper come into the tent with Frank and Margaret and she's like massaging him with like, I don't know, some like vibrator kind of thing, but not in... Obviously, clearly not. Like a massage device. Yeah, it's not a sexual vibrator of any kind. And so Hawkeye says, I always knew that behind every great man, there's a woman with a vibrator. And I was like, holy crap, this show. That's like, that's super sexual, even for this show. Like, even now, that would be super sexual. That's crazy. Maybe they didn't have those in the 50s yet, I but I don't, don't know. know. But they would have had them in, like, the 70s. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, so the writers knew what they were doing. McLean Stevenson, we see you. <laughs> I kept, yeah, I'm surprised they were allowed to get away with that because that, that I was implies shocked. a lot. That implies I was shocked. a lot of things. So yeah, that that I I know exactly. I can't believe I didn't mention that before, but that's like, so crazy to me that they got yeah. away with that line. So before we wrap up for real, um, what's your martini rating for this episode? This one's tricky. I wasn't like in love with this one, but it's by no means bad. I might have to give this a solid three out of five martinis and or three point five. Like it's a very solid episode, but it is in my opinion, by no means, like, one of the best ones, you know? I definitely agree with you on that one. I said a 3 to 3.5 martinis out of Let's out of go. 5 on this one. Um, so, yeah. So, I definitely agree with you on that. Definitely an enjoyable episode. I haven't... I don't think there has been an episode that we haven't enjoyed yet so far, but definitely not the best. In like, season 2. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely not the best we've seen or we will see either, in yeah. my opinion. But again, hats off to McLean Stevenson for writing. Love to see that. Love, yeah, definitely. Love a cast that's involved in the production. For sure. So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Virabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And you can join us next week for Season 2, Episode 9, Dear Dad 3. Ooh. But until <laughs> then... Look for a big red bird with fuzzy pink feet. (laughs) Goodbye, farewell, amen. Bye, everyone.